As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The deal is done. Erling Holland will be a Manchester City player at the start of next season, and over on the Athletic Football Podcast, hosts Flo Lloyd-Hughes and Dan Bardell were joined by a trio of experts to look at how Holland will fit with this new club from pretty much every angle there is. Those experts that joined them on the show were Man City reporter Sam Lee, German football reporter Kit Holden, and analytics writer Mark Carey, all of course from The Athletic. We have a clip of their conversation today on the show. I'm Alex Abnos from The Athletic, and this is Soccer Every Day for Wednesday, May 11th. Sam, we obviously saw recently the news of Jurgen Klopp extending his contract to Liverpool. And I think at the start of this month, I saw something that, that said Guardiola was close to doing the same at City. What is the latest on his future? Yeah, yeah, you know, as this is kind of drawn to a close in terms of the Haaland, um, the contracts being signed, I, I think part of it was, you know, you, you come to Man City and, you know, Pep Guardiola will be here. So you couldn't really, I suppose you could, I suppose. Did he not do it under Ferguson really when they signed Van Persie and Kigawa and then he left after a year? Um, but I know, I, I think there's there's been some assurances there that if Haaland comes to City, then that Pep will be around as well. So uh, I think it's it's looking pretty likely. Guardiola's always talking about how happy he is. I think I wrote an article about this recently, but the way the Champions League knockout stages has gone off the pitch, obviously on the pitch, I guess there'll be more hunger to, to go again next season because of what happened in Madrid. But in terms of kind of off it, it might have reminded him how, how much he likes it, um, in the Premier League, he, he said recently, he goes, he goes, England is the best place to to be a manager. You know, the, in in Barcelona, you'd have media in the bushes and stuff, which is quite funny now. He's complaining about the media and saying they all support Liverpool, but I, I think he knows that he's got a sweet deal. When he was at Bayern Munich, he had people above him uh, criticizing, giving support, whatever it was, whether they were being constructive or not, it was just, will you just shut up and let me get on with it? And at Real Madrid, um, well, in, against Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid, he saw the problems again with the Spanish media and creating controversy out of nothing. So I think he's in a good place. And in fact, that's you know that's that's been the message from the club. He's in a really good place. So I think he's ready to to do another couple of years. Uh, I think obviously with this challenge of of Haaland and how it fits in, I'm 
I'm sure that would excite him as well. So yeah, I think that that's the way that that one's heading with with Guardiola and City. So that that battle with Klopp over the next few years is is going to go on. Mark, you're a Liverpool fan. Obviously, you know the, the points total that you have to get to win the league now with these two sides is absolutely ridiculous. Does Holland coming in scare you? <laughs> yeah, I don't want my bias to to influence my my answer here too much, but I. <laughs> I mean, obviously, so City are obviously one of the most dominant teams in the world anyway without Erling Haaland. But there is just that odd occasion isn't there where they just can't quite crack a, a stubborn defence. And I think that this is where he'll just be that that final piece of the puzzle, if you want to say that. I think there was, some would remember better than me, it was a couple of nil-nil draws against, was it Southampton and Crystal Palace, I think. Um, so those those sorts of games where you just need someone to score something out of nothing you walk away with a 1-0 win and Sam mentioned obviously the the Champions League and it was a a random turn of events it was it was such a crazy game but things like that have you seen with obviously Karim Benzema at the other end across that whole tie just scoring something out of nothing it was barely a chance I think that first goal he scored in the tie um, you know he'll offer that as well um, Erling Haaland so being able to get them over the line in those sort of real you know those real close games um, I think will be quite scary. And as we've said before, he is outright, you know, a very good player, just irrespective of his age, but there's just going to be so many years that he's going to obviously operate at this level. So yeah, scary, I would say. Yeah, Kit, just I wanted to ask you a question, something that's been playing on my mind. These two teams, absolutely incredible, Manchester City, Liverpool. I would have said that Man City was short of a striker, Liverpool perhaps short of a, another number eight. Because Dortmund have sold Haaland now, I would have said Liverpool would have probably been looking at getting Bellingham. Dortmund wouldn't want to lose two players in one summer, would they? So does that put pay to that now? Yeah, I mean, I think in, in Dortmund there's been generally quite a lot of confidence that Bellingham would stay uh, at least another year. Um, I think I think there's a, there's a sense that, that that's kind of the rhythm they're in now. And, you know, Sancho uh, stayed for another year after there was a lot of speculation. Haaland has stayed for another year after there was a lot of speculation. And I think there's a sense that they can offer those players uh, that kind of option and say look there's a there's a precedent here for for another year yeah. of development and then a, and then a really big move at the right time but on the other hand i think bellingham's uh development in, in this this year has been absolutely incredible um and and perhaps a, a lot more he's, he's come on a lot faster and, and uh, a lot more than, than a lot of people might have expected um and so there will be a lot of speculation again and i think if they're with Dortmund, it's always the case that that if if the right money comes knocking I mean uh, Hans-Joachim Batsko the CEO said this said this a while back about Holland you know if City come knocking and for City I think you can read Real Madrid Liverpool any big Premier League club uh, if the right money is there then essentially they, they can't necessarily argue with it so um, if, if Liverpool want to pay over the odds it's not impossible but I think there is a lot of confidence at the moment they they can keep him they're looking to rebuild at the moment Dortmund I mean they've got a, a new sporting director in with, with Sebastian Kale. Um it'll be Marco Rosa's first uh, not his first full season in charge, but his first uh, sort of point where he can say, "Okay, this is my my project now as a coach. Um, this is this is my team that I want to build." Um, there'll be a few players out the door, um, not just Haaland, but but others too, and and they'll be looking to get a few players in. So it's 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 the start of something new at Dortmund, and I think Bellingham is is definitely at least for the next year a, a part of those plans. Sam, you've already touched on, or we spoke about the 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 narrative around this move that has been going on he's someone who commands headlines and we talked about maybe the the, the, the cloud of Real Madrid following him during his time at City but how is Guardiola going to manage that because we know that he's not someone that particularly likes having 
big superstars be the centre of attention. How do you think that is going to work at a club like Manchester City? Well, I mean, Messi was the centre of attention. I think a lot of stock and possibly too much stock has been put into this Latan Ibrahimovic quote. I've been talking about this a lot recently because there's been a lot of talk about City going out of the Champions League because of a lack of leaders and this kind of stuff. And okay, you know, at City, there's not a load of Champions League winners and there's not a load of World Cup winners. Uh, you know, maybe they've they've still got a, a step to take. Um, but I think you know, if you've got a big, shocking defeat like City had against Madrid, you need a kind of big, hefty conclusion. You need to say why is this? What what's the big, deep rooted failing? Uh, you can't just say it's football, it's Real Madrid, and it happens. There has to be a big reason. Somebody has to be at, at fault. And I think it's been very easy to say, okay, well, it's Guardiola then because his his teams have conceded goals in in bursts. And I think. There, there's there's something to that, you know. There's it it doesn't just happen for no reason, but at the same time, you know, there's a there, there's momentum in football. It can happen, but it's been tied in with this idea. There's Latan Ibrahimovic has said Guardiola doesn't like strong characters or egos or whatever. We do always have to take what Ibrahimovic says with a pinch of salt as well. I think I think you're right. He's not no. Well, especially was that book was like heavily ghostwritten, wasn't it? Like it wasn't necessarily his own words. It was kind of he had a bit of. A, I know autobiographies work in the way that the subject sits down and they speak to the ghostwriter and then the ghostwriter puts it out. But wasn't it wasn't it like heavily embellished? And even to the extent that Ibrahimovic was like, "Wow, well, okay, I don't remember saying half of this, but it's fun." I think so I, I feel like most of what he says is, is heavily embellished, isn't it? That's the kind of character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. He is. Even, even directly from yeah. mouth to mouth. Yeah. But anyway, the point being, this, so this idea that Guardiola doesn't like strong characters. So egos is another thing. Big egos and egotistical guys who maybe don't do what they need to do for the team. So the problem with Ibrahimovic was he wouldn't step aside or ad- adapt his role to let Messi flourish and become, you know, the player he has become. Ibrahimovic didn't want to be part of that. So Guardiola, obviously in his way, that Ibrahimovic describes basically just you know, it wasn't it wasn't the best way of sitting him down and saying, "Look, you're going." It was just ignoring him. Okay, fine, not brilliant man management. And yeah, there's plenty of players at City who think, "God, this guy's weird. I don't really don't particularly like like him. Bit tired of him, but God, he gets results. So fine." Um, but yeah, so it's it's more about the ego and it's it's putting the the player before the team. That's what he doesn't like. And if we come back to strong characters, I'm not going to reel them off. In fact, no, I will. Victor Valdez, Gerard Piquet. Danny Alves, Carlos Puyol, Busquets, Xavi, Iniesta, Messi. I'm trying to think of strong characters. Like Alexis Sanchez was a strong character. You wouldn't put him in that classic Barca team, but a strong character. David Villa, Pedro won World Cups. Um, at, at Bayern, like notoriously, his problems at Bayern were because he had to try, change that German culture, and that German culture was in the dressing room. You know, the the big figures of Germany's World Cup win: Manuel Neuer, Thomas Muller, Bastian Schweinsteiger. Um, Chabi Alonso later on, big leader, Jerome Boateng, um, Philip Lahm, uh, Arjen Robben, Frank Ribéry, strong characters, winners, you know, and he didn't win the Champions League with Bayern, which everybody, you know, you, you can't move for being reminded of that, but it wasn't because he didn't have strong characters, it wasn't because he, li- he wanted but to I get suppose, rid of strong I characters suppose, and he didn't um, know how to work with. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I suppose, Sam, the difference is, is that Haaland actually doesn't... I mean, he has done some some big post-match interviews, but unlike those guys who are strong characters but don't necessarily command the attention and the limelight, because of who he is, because of his dad, because of his reputation, it's a slightly different scenario because of his, his agent and, and that agency. I feel like that's the difference, I guess, between the Lams, the Botengs, and those sorts of characters and your Messis, your Mbappes, uh, your Ronaldos. Yeah, but again... Um, Guardiola had Messi there was you know there were there's always talk of problems with Messi in his final season there's that infamous story with the the coke can and Messi say you know Guardiola saying you can't drink that and Messi going out to a vending machine bringing a coke can back and drinking it in front of him I've never been able to get to the bottom of if that's true or not so there was obviously kind of issues there but it was never an issue like nobody ever said Messi struggled under Guardiola if anything the opposite is true it's that ridiculous line that Guardiola can't win the Champions League without Messi that somehow Messi is everything in his career which is obviously just patently not true so yeah okay in Germany as well it's more strong characters and leaders in the dressing room I, I know the point you're making but I was speaking to a former a former player about this the other night and he goes I played against Latan and he was like he spent 45 minutes on the halfway line just berating his teammates swearing <laughs> at them and like the worst swear words as well it's like that's not a that's not a good dressing room character mm. you know I, I don't like well, I've mentioned how many World Cup winners that were mentioned then. You know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, okay, maybe if he played for, for Spain or Germany, he would have won a World Cup. But we hold up Ibrahimovic's example here and his opinions as if it's gospel, as if every team in the world needs an Ibrahimovic in the dressing room. Do they? I don't buy it. I don't, I don't really buy any of this. And, the, and the, the last point about Haaland is he's not, I don't think he's a dick. Like, he's a strong <laughs> well, character. Kit, just Kit, got he's going to attract headlines. Kit, you, Kit, you he's tell a good us. Team, he's a good teammate. Kit, it, what is what is his reputation among his teammates? I mean, I, I think I think sounds absolutely right. I don't think he's got a reputation as a as a troublemaker or as or even even as a as a massive ego on the pitch or in in the dressing room or in the squad. I mean, that's perhaps to do with the fact that he's still quite young, and you know, we'll see how he develops. Obviously, he's got that kind of natural confidence that you see in interviews, you see in the goal celebrations. But I don't think that translates as a kind of you know elbowing his teammates out the way to, to, to hog the limelight. And I think, you know, I mean, as I said, there's, there's been a, a slight kind of fatigue in the last in the last few weeks and months among among the fans and the media at the fact that this saga has dragged on so long and maybe a slight frustration that, I mean, he had an interview where he, he sort of said the club were putting pressure on him and there was a bit of kind of, people were really upset about that. But I mean, that's that's a very, very small thing and it's small things and it's par for the course in a situation like this. And I don't think there's anybody really who would say, I mean, at Dortmund they speak very, very highly of him and of his work ethic and, and, and you know, his commitment and his mentality. So I don't think there's anybody who would say this is a this is a, an ego that needs to be kind of tamed, I think. I think the mentality is there, but it's not, not problematic yet, at least. Mark, before we go, you'd obviously have looked at the data. Is there anything in there that you would say is going to make this not a success or is it you've looked at it and this is just undoubtedly going to be a huge moment for Manchester City and a huge signing? 
Yeah, I mean, from a, from a goal scoring perspective, we've we've covered it enough. Obviously, in this this episode, there's there's almost no doubt that he's he's going to get goals. I looked into sort of how much he keeps possession, how much you know, how good is his ball retention. He's maybe not the the strongest in that regard, but that might be partly to do with the the team style of Dortmund. And obviously, thinking about it in contrast to how possession dominant and how much it's a it's an absolute sin to to lose the ball in a Pep Guardiola side. So I don't think that's necessarily. Well, it might not be exclusively down to a skill or a lack of skill of Erling Haaland. It may be to do with team style, but his ball retention this season especially hasn't been all that strong, but it may be down to, to team style. But I don't know whether Kit was, would know better than me. No, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a very, very different type of football. And, and as I say, Holland has been asked to lead the line in a, in a team that, that still plays, uh, relies largely on those kind of transitions. And as you said, those runs in behind the, in the back line. So, I mean, the, the thing that he's, he's shown out with Dortmund is, is that, that predatory instinct, those movements. I, mean, I remember a goal against Gladbach, I think it was last season. I think it was actually ruled offside in the end. But, but I remember watching it and it, it really looked on the TV as if, as if it was a computer game glitch or something. The way he moved and changed direction and, you know, just from one second to the other. And that was, you know, there's just one of those moments where you just think, wow, this, this, this player is something special. And so, yeah, I mean, those, those kinds of things are the things that he's been asked to do at Dortmund. And uh, yeah, we'll see. I think, I think Guardiola can bring out new elements of his game. Thanks so much to the Athletic Football Podcast for that. If you want to hear the full episode, including a lengthy section at the beginning where they talk a little bit more about Holland's fit, you can visit uh, the the link that's in the show's description or search pretty much wherever you're listening to this show for the Athletic Football Podcast. Before we go, your TV guide for today, for those of you in the U.S., all times are Eastern, as always. And in the Premier League, it's a big day at 2.30 p.m., Leeds United hosting Chelsea. This is obviously huge for both clubs. Leeds United is looking to move out of their spot in the relegation places, and Chelsea are looking to wrap up Champions League qualification. A win for either side would go a long way towards both of those goals. And obviously there is a great deal of American interest as well with Jesse Marsh in charge of Leeds United and Christian Pulisic uh, playing sometimes for Chelsea. Again, that's at 2.30 p.m. on Peacock or DAZN if you happen to be in Canada. At 3.15 p.m. also in the Premier League, Wolves are hosting Man City. Obviously that is a title race significant game. Uh, one would expect Manchester City would be favorites in this one, but it's late in the season. You never know. If they happen to drop points, it gives Liverpool hope again. Later today, it's a big day in Liga Emekis in the Ligia, the playoffs essentially, at 8 p.m. Atletico San Luis hosting Pachuca. That's on Tudeane. And at 10.05 p.m., Puebla hosting America. That's a big game, also on Tudeane. We're also into the second day of U.S. Open Cup action this midweek, and I'm not going to read every single game that's happening tonight because there are quite a few, but I'll highlight a couple that I think are interesting, including every instance where an MLS team is playing a lower division opponent. First, at 6.30 p.m., Richmond Kickers hosting Charlotte, that also known as the Total Soccer Show Derby, as listeners to our sister show will understand if you know the hosts. And also... A lower division team playing an MLS team should be a good one. At 7 p.m., New York City hosting Rochester, New York, (laughs) Jamie Vardy's team. I just love that there's so much New York in both of those names. At 8 p.m., Union Omaha hosting Northern Colorado Hailstorm FC. Now, this is obviously not an MLS versus lower division matchup, but it is a very interesting one because Northern Colorado Hailstorm FC, first of all, has my new favorite 
club name in American soccer. Second of all, they had the biggest cup set of anyone in the previous round. They eliminated Real Salt Lake while playing in their second ever game. Outstanding story. You'll want to see if this cup run continues. That's at 8 p.m. against Union Omaha. At 8.30 p.m., Houston Dynamo hosting San Antonio, who eliminated Austin FC last time out. 10.30 p.m., Sacramento Republic versus Phoenix Rising. Neither of those are MLS teams, but they are two of the better lower division teams that we've seen in American soccer over the last several years. So that's about as heavyweight as you're going to get without involving an MLS team. And then at 10.30 p.m., California United Strikers hosting LA Galaxy. All of those games, by the way, are on ESPN+. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can subscribe for $1 a month for six months by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Thank you so much for listening, and happy soccer to you all.